Welcome to the Road to the Trials podcast, where we take an insider's look into the training and racing of some of America's best runners as they prepare for the 2024 Olympic Trials. And we are going to be doing our second Boston Marathon recap. And this one is with Nico Montañez. Nico, congratulations on a fantastic race. Uh, thank you. So I've been texting people the same thing that like everyone congratulates me like i bet i tell them the same thing like because that's just how i felt like it was a really truly hard fought race for me like i feel like i really had to go to different places throughout the course so yeah i like i don't really know what else to tell people like it was hard how would you compare it to other races in terms of just the the, the kind of effort you had to put in uh definitely my hardest yeah and i know it wasn't a pr like chicago but um you definitely had a lot to to work with in terms of the hills uphill downhill uh other competitors worrying about time you know not going out too hard because uh kipchoge took it out so it was definitely like a big learning curve in the race yeah, and I just talked to CJ about that. He, he was trying to figure out, like, all right, what's going to happen? And you never know, right? He was like, a lot of things yeah. going through your mind. How's this race going to play out? And he was, he, as I don't know if people have listened to this yet, and I know that you had listened to my episode with CJ, but he was kind of of the belief, like, someone's going to take it out, not Kipchoge. But if Kipchoge is the one who takes it out, he envisioned him not, like, just slamming the gas right mm-hmm. from the start. So he was surprised that Elliot took it out and took it out as quickly as he did. Um, well, we can dive into like the, the full weekend, but I will tell people we did do a full preview episode where you talked about how you're going to approach the weekend and things like that. How was, I guess, what was your mindset like, you know, at the starting line and, and what were some of the, the situations and potentialities that were going through your mind? Yeah. Um, I, I guess since I had raced last year, um, I kind of had a, like a good idea of what was going to happen but of course you don't really know because you can't control anyone so for me it was like finding that um, second pack because i i just knew that people get too excited and they don't have as much emotional control as they think they do and they they take off and um it they end up coming back and i hope that i'm in a good position to try and pick them off and if not then you know um so be it. But I, I knew like right away my goal was find the second pack. Um, and so I guess when I saw the race go off, or I guess when I was in the race, I uh, saw who took the lead, which was Kip Choge. Um, it was just more of just like, okay, find myself. I know that I have to extend a little bit more than I'd like, but it is a, the first couple of miles and it, it will settle. It will settle and I will find my group. So for me, it wasn't like I didn't have this huge like... Um, shock to my system um it kind of exact it like kind of played out exactly how i wanted it to which was perfect so now considering your background and your ability are were you in a position to kind of like dictate the terms of the second group were you kind of looking to others and kind of like taking more of a reactive role like how did that play out in terms of the proactive reactive situation of where you fell in the group yeah so our first couple of miles were, were incredibly fast. Um, you know, my watch was a little early um, on every single mile marker that I noticed, um, but I saw like 4.33, but I, I think at the first mile marker, it would have really been like 4.35. So uh, I just kept looking at that and I'm like, well, you know, like, we'll slow down, but like, I feel 
obviously I feel okay and I need to do this to find my group. Like I just kept telling myself that. Um, but I definitely, once I found the group that I belonged in, which happened to be like Scott Fobble, uh, Mikau actually kind of took that charge of the second group, Colin Mikau. Um, and I took more of a reactive approach was just like, okay, well now we just kind of hang out and reassess and, when it gets hard, just remind myself, like, some miles are harder than others. Like, I had to say that a lot, actually, to myself. Not in the beginning, like, 10, 10K, but post that, I would say. Um, and I figured that the racing would really begin after 2021, but um, it was Scott Fobble, I, I believe. Um, like, between him and Matt McDonald and Colin McHale, like, at some point, Fobble was like, if we have any chance of kind of getting into the top 10 or just catching people from the carnage uh of from up above we have to get going and so he did he a, actually say that or are you just like inferring that that's what he was thinking uh so i saw it in a podcast that he did i don't know if it was left run or or, or just a post-race interview um because i tend to forget like where exactly moves were made i I don't know why. Like it's like I tell myself every year I'm gonna remember exactly where this move was made so I can kind of If only right. there were cameras on the course that <laughs> could have documented this. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so he, he did he made a couple moves. Uh and that first move that he made was a really powerful one and at which point it kinda of got down to four of us. Um you know, Matt McDonald's got followed myself and then the uh, Frenchman. Um so yeah, because I was still playing a reactive role, unfortunately. I would have loved to play, uh, kind of go up there, let people know I was um, still around, but I, I found myself in more of a reactive role. So uh, it was just really just kind of trying to stay as relaxed as I could and then not really go until the second half of the race, which for me was post 20 miles. And um, knowing Scott's history at the race, again, you're in the, the same caliber of a runner. So I'm, I don't want to, I'm not like trying to create tears here, but like, oh, yeah, considering sure. his, his ability at the race, he's done well before. This is his third time finishing seventh in a row. So having him be a part of that group, did that provide a sense of calm in terms of like, hey, like, I feel like this is the right move, but seeing him here, does it kind of validate it at all? Or is there, is there any aspect to that that that's true? Um, yeah, so there's a couple of things that went through my head. Uh, first off was like, again, this is exactly how I played it out in my mind that I would find the second group and that we like, it's like somehow we don't learn from like history. Um, and I feel like the same was with the Boston marathon. Like you pick people off if you go out smart on this course. Um, and so I knew that I felt like I was in the right position and I was like, this is exactly where I needed to be. Like I kind of kept telling myself exactly where I belonged. Um, and I felt so good about that. I felt so like confident about that. And I even thought about like what my coach Andrew would, would say, like, like, I'm so proud of you because we like, we got exactly what we needed to do and we did it. Um, but having Fobble there, like, yeah, I was like, oh, maybe he, maybe he doesn't feel that good. Maybe he's actually hurting this year and maybe I'll have to take the lead at some point, which, uh, I only took the lead just to get my water bottle, uh, like 10 K maybe. Um, so, and I didn't really hold it for that long, to be honest. Um, um, but yeah, uh, after that, like, it was just like more of, I know we'll start clicking. Um, but we just, we progressively got slower after 10K. 
which was great because I knew that that half marathon split was going to be pretty quick. And I believe it was what I was told. It was 103.59. Yeah, that's like, what I'm great. seeing right now. Great. If I, if I can... If I can hold on to like a a sixty five thirty, like it's gonna be. I I'm on it. Like I'm doing it, and I'm so proud of myself for like having that patience. So, um, but it unfortunately and fortunately, I suppose, it got harder than I wanted it to, and I believe that's because of the downhills, because of the damage you're doing to your muscles, like, you know, the Boston course. So, I was I knew it was gonna be a struggle, but I didn't think it was gonna be that hard um so but yeah having scott to answer your question having scott and there was like it was comforting at least for me um uh, but also other good runners too like we had a lot of good guys in there so yeah for sure for sure mm-hmm. and again I, I just i was just thinking all right i wonder you never know how, how runners view other runners sure, right in terms sure, of like yeah. hey like if i see this person here that, that might be a bad sign right and be like hey this yeah, person always goes yeah. out really fast and all of a sudden i'm next to him at the three mile mark it's like oh <laughs> we might finish near each other but i don't want to be near him in the beginning of the race kind of feel to it sure yeah um yeah so i mean you mentioned we'll just go through some of the splits here not that we're going to like say metric driven the whole time the first your your 5k split was a 1426 uh 439 per mile average again it's a significant downhill in the beginning so Mm -hmm. you mentioned doing these downhills obviously is going to tenderize the legs a little bit Mm -hmm. is there a speed at which you're able to to handle these where it maybe minimizes the damage and were you able to hit that pace during that during that time so from what i understood because i played such a reactive role um i remember going to that 5k and i don't no one ever talked in the group but um we, we all knew i'm sure we, we all knew we were plenty fast um but like i remember like my watch beeping early and so, for example, like my watch would beep at like 4.54 for like mile six. But I would count in my head. At, so once I got to the mile marker, I'd be like, okay, one 1,000, two 1,000. There were points where I was counting up to like 15 1,000. So I was like, oh my God, that was like a, that was like a 5.15 mile right there. Great. We're doing it. Like we, we, as a group, we collectively know that if we continue on this suicide pace, like we're, we're all going to blow up. But we're all suffering together. That was the biggest thing. I was like, we're all doing it together. This is like a companionship in a way, even though we're competing against each other. So um, what I tried to focus on was like not slapping the ground is what Andrew told me, because that when you slap the ground like that, that's that's causing a lot of damage to your tendons, your muscles. So I was like, just I just remembered like the phrase, like, be light, be light, like hear your footsteps. Are you being loud? If you are like, can you change up your form at all? Um, so that was like my focus in that reactive state. Um, and at one point I was like, once we kind of had a succession, at least from my watch, like a couple five tens, five twelves, five fifteens, I was like, Oh my gosh, are we going to like, we're going to somehow be like 66 for the half. Like we're in trouble. Um, but then I saw one on three fifty nine, and it just like, that part wasn't hard yet if it was like mile 16 on that was like oh boy i can now fill the first half marathon but that's okay because we're all together and we're suffering together so i'd rather that than uh me trying to run a race to catch them by myself at what point i know you have a hard time remembering exactly where Mm -hmm. you were when certain things happened but do you recall when the lead pack all of a sudden was no longer in sight 
Oh, great question. Um, gosh, it probably had a for our group. Uh, yeah, it is hard to remember, but I bet you somewhere after 10k. Um, really? Okay. Yeah, I I think so. Um, but again, I was trying to just focus on like me and like light steps and the person's jersey in front of me. So maybe 12, 13k, but yeah, not not too sure. It was okay. pretty early from my recalling. Gotcha. And at what point, if at all, did you kind of tune out the watch and really just focus on like either effort or racing or kind of competing with the people in your group or trying to catch people ahead? I think when it got hard, um, when it got really hard, when Fauble and the Frenchman and even Matt McDonald were like, they all kind of collectively were like, battling each other like winning trying to win our group um and i was like okay it's time to kind of like stop glancing down and ruining your stride it's it's time to to focus in because because if someone takes off i want to be i want to be responsive um so i'm in this reactive role still and so i think about 20 miles so i felt personally that i had to show my cards early um and that could have been the hills i could have just been boston it could have been the weather it could have been the first half marathon so for me i realized quickly i was like if i'm going to survive i need to like really focus in um because i i don't necessarily like the way that i feel right now but like if i can keep keep putting one foot in front of the other and cold pace like i'll accept it like i I know i can grind um but i gotta just make sure that i don't lose contact because that's the biggest thing is like losing contact with the group and then it's kind of all over from there and that's what happened unfortunately so all right. So when you're in that second group and it starts to get whittled down and there's kind of this core group that's left, um, what's that like in terms of the group dynamic? And obviously it changes race to race, but um, how do you, how does, how does a group decide or how do you decide or, or whatever when to, you know, kind of like win the group, so to speak, like you mentioned yeah. versus, Hey, let's work together to kind of bridge up to the next group. Like you see oftentimes in cycling where people might be on different teams, but they kind of help each other to get to the next group ahead of them. It was from all the groups that I've been in where we end up catching people on a marathon or any, any type of race, there's just kind of this unspoken rule. And it like somehow fell onto the shoulders of Matt McDonald and Scott Fobble. Um, me and the Frenchman were playing a reactive role um at least that's in my opinion that's what i felt like because those two guys were pushing um and it was like i was like oh great like all the <laughs> they keep pushing i'm just gonna hang out hang out hang out and then if i feel good i'm gonna maybe put the hammer down which which never happened but um yeah it was just weird it was just like this unspoken rule that they both kind of knew like scott's first move was like okay i'm kind of just like filling everyone out but his second move which uh, I was there and then he made the second move and it was like, I could respond to that. But McDonald and the Frenchman went with him and that was kind of the move where it was like, okay, like now, now they, we mean business. So, um, yeah, I can't say like we've ever like discussed in the group, but just had that feeling like we more or less know, like this starts to feel easy or like I have to go up the hills, you know? So. And when, do you know where uh, Scott made that second move? Gosh, Roughly speaking, see. I think the second move was just after sixteen, but I, I can't be mistaken. Oh, really? I, yeah. I 
Yeah, I would love to go back and rewatch uh, the interview he did post race because, and I, I guess I don't know how I forget these things because they're so critical. But um, may, maybe seventeen, maybe. So 16. was it on an incline? Like, was it going up a hill? Because that, that I, that's in the Newton Hills region. Yeah, definitely. Like I, I remember, I remember being with them still. Um, so. Yeah, I want to say like a few moves were made by him, um, but that second time was like, at least in my experience, because I didn't feel like I had like the ump to kind of just proceed forward with them. It was like, oh man, it's getting it's getting hard now. It's getting serious. So I want to say sixteen, but man, maybe it's like nineteen. So yeah. okay, but before heartbreak, so you were going up heartbreak. Were you solo, or is there someone with you? Uh, we were still in that pack of four. Um, so myself, Wobble, McDonald, and the Frenchman. So just kind of, I was just trying to hang on for dear life. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, yeah. You know, so you end up finishing 13th. And really, like, the, the you know, the people in front of you seem to be, from a finishing perspective, you know, kind of like 10 to 15 seconds kind of separated the next, like, five people ahead of you, right? Yeah. It was like all yeah. within basically 65 seconds there were five finishers, six finishers yep. or so. Yep. Um, so describe the last few miles in terms of what you're seeing ahead of you and how you're able to react to that uh, as a competitor. Um, so there came a point where I saw Favel and the Frenchman. The Frenchman was like in fourth the whole time, really, um, in our group. And then when Favel did that like final kind of like stronger move, at least in, when I was with the group, um, the Frenchman went with him, McDonald tried to go, and I think he kind of came back and I was running with McDonald for a little bit, or at least had him in eyesight. And there was a point in the later stages of the race where both McDonald and I have passed CJ. I recognize CJ, I recognize his form, I recognize his jersey. Um, and I was like, okay, like they are they are coming back later than I want to, than I expected it. But if I can just kind of hang on to the gas, I think that we're going to start. Maybe everyone dropped out. Maybe like five guys dropped out at one point. I was thinking that. Um, but usually you see more, you see people grabbing their leg or something off to the side of the road. So I was like, oh, I don't really see anyone. Um, but it came late. Um, and the last 5k was really brutal for me um i'm pretty indifferent with the race to be honest like i'm not i'm not ecstatic um like i i want to go out and train like so hard right now but i know that's not a healthy way to like go about things um but i just felt like i didn't get to utilize all my energy and maybe i did because i my hamstring uh was the first thing to go before the five last 5k approached and so that was like me in survival mode so i had passed cj i felt like somewhat decent but i was hurting it was like this pass him make him think i look good when in reality i'm 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 in the hurt locker and i've been in the hurt locker for since mile 16 for some reason like this was just such a grind race for me um and so the last 5k was really brutal the last two miles were really brutal the last 2k was very brutal I just really, like, I, I, I hit the wall, and I was so, I mean, I wasn't upset in the moment, but it was, like, how this happened, you know, like, I I know, like, like I don't know how I couldn't make that response with, like, the Frenchman and Fobble, like, in McDonald's, even, like, he got 10, you know, and, and so it wasn't so much, like, judging on other people's experiences, it was just, like, 
I realized that I didn't have much left in me and my body just, my body kind of, I wouldn't say like, I just, I just didn't really have much. And so like the last 5k was survival. And we should say uh, the the Frenchman you're referring to is Hassan Chadi, who yes, basically yeah. finished like neck and neck with Scott past him, yeah, or was great. able to distance yeah. himself from Hassan with about 50 meters to go, and it looked like mm-hmm. it was going to be like a, like a like you know a wire you know a wire finish uh, between them. You mentioned you passed CJ. Did he pass you back with like what yes. a mile to go or yeah. something like that? He would have passed me back. Um... My memory does not serve me, but definitely within that mile for sure. Cause I, I remember feeling like, Oh my gosh, I'm going backwards here. Like if I could just somehow muster up like a, like a five ten, you know, I can shave, like I can go like, I can be like a two ten thirty today. Um, but I just couldn't bring myself to do it. And the hamstring was really worrying me. Um, and so I felt like I, I going back to what you were saying, the 65 seconds, you know, I'm just, I think I'm kind of frustrated because it was like, I was right there and I was doing it until I wasn't. Uh, and you could say that it was the course and I, and I, I would agree with that. The course really did me in. And I think um, if in another perspective that I could have, it's like, I really did give it my, my entire self because I was, I was completely spent. Um, yeah. And as obviously frustrated as you are with how things kind of played out, um, especially in relation to kind of your expectations for what you might have on that day. Um, is there a silver lining with the fact that you did run two ten fifty, even on a day that you felt like you left something on the course or that you didn't quite have the day that you wanted? I think so. I think the whole, um, I was telling, well, I need to tell Andrew this, my coach, and then I'm telling some people like, from the very beginning, um, from staying with my girlfriend in Flagstaff because I didn't have a place to stay in Mammoth yet because housing is so hard. So I wasn't able to be in my realm of running, but I was in the next best thing, in my opinion. Um, and then getting to Mammoth and realizing that every day is like, you know, what feels like 20 feet of snow, which it's not true. But, um, you know, shoveling and, and taking its toll and, and trying to get out so I can go meet coach for a workout, it's like, I had to take a different approach to this season and be like, you know what, like this is making me a better athlete is making me a better person. And I can be, I can be a big, uh, you know, like grumpy person about this, or I can turn this around and be like, this is my best training block yet. And like who else is shoveling their driveway and probably people in Flagstaff. So I'm not saying I'm the only one doing it or anywhere else that snows, but for me, it was just like taking that turn. And so, even though the race wasn't what I wanted, like I'm proud because I, I proved that I could get to that finish line and I was completely spent, which means I, I gave it my own, you know? So, um, that's the silver lining is like, look, look, looking at the, the glass, like half full, uh, and being proud of my efforts despite like it, what I consider not being the best training block for me. Um, and then I was, so I have a scale, uh, like a coffee scale, because I, I measure out my beans and like I grind my coffee. So I completely forgot that scale. And like it was water bottle turn in. And I was like, Andrew, should we go to like CVS and buy a scale? Like I'm actually really worried because like I, I have a specific amount of fluids I take. And he's like, ah, oh, Dina, oh. Dina used to just eyeball it. He's like, just eyeball it. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're right. Like I have my gels. It's not a big deal. But I remember taking like all my fluids and I'm like, 
you know, this is lottery. Like, so, so <laughs> I don't know if this is true. I, I think it, this, there has a lot to do with the course and the downhills, but I do believe that I kind of have like this, like electrolyte imbalance. Um, cause my hamstrings, I'm not saying they should not be going late in the race cause it is a very hard race. And that's the fastest I've ever gone out for a half marathon in a full. So I don't, but I think having not my concentration, uh, played a role, um, uh, if you will. Um, so that was like something I thought about, but yeah, but silver lining is like, I, I had a good attitude and I, I fought every step of the way, even though the last like 2k was atrocious, but you know, I fought. So, and you didn't have emergency dental surgery before the race, <laughs> which is a huge win compared to last year. Yeah. A lot of people, uh, yeah. I mean, technically I had a nine minute PR, so like I'll take it. <laughs> Nine minute course PR. There you go. Yeah, see? I just gotta do uh, nine minutes next year, and I'll have the I'll have the course record. There you go. See, look at this. <laughs> Silver lining is all over the place. How exactly. wonderful! Exactly. Um, well, you know. Well, first of all, congratulations. Obviously, anyone who pushes as hard as they can in the marathon, um, even if they don't get the time that they want or the place they want, just putting in your full effort in a marathon is worthy of a claim and, worth, and, yeah. and certainly is, is, is a massive achievement. So congratulations. You can't do many of these every year. And the fact that you're able to put in a max effort um, is a big deal. And yeah, that's something yeah. that I just want to congratulate you on and, and say, uh, you know, good job on that, man. Thank you so much. Yeah. I think I'm also happy with the consistency. So, you know, Chicago 209 here, 210. So we're doing things right back home in Mammoth. You know, we're kind of, I'm learning and I'm growing. So that, that's most important. Yeah, and and I guess lastly, um, I guess you, do you take anything from the fact that you know just from a you know racing against the American field with an eye towards the Olympic trials a year from now that you were right there time wise with everyone else who you would have viewed as you know kind of the the leaders in the clubhouse to finish top American. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, I mean that's all we've ever been training for since I joined the Mammoth Track Club, so. Um, not that all my eggs go in one basket, um, but I do believe that come race day, February, like I'll, I'll be ready. So and I'm ready for a great summer. Um, I'm looking forward to doing some of the highest mileage I've ever approached. And I, this, it's all kind of accumulated to this. You know, Andrew's kind of had this plan uh, where it's like, I'm glad the race did end up the way it did because I'm still learning and still growing. If I maybe had placed top American, maybe I don't look back and maybe switch up a few things, you know? So I think this will be a blessing in disguise for sure. Absolutely. All right. Well, Nico, I am excited to catch up with you in another, another month or two to see, you know, how the recovery you know, progresses and also, you know, <laughs> what would you have planned uh, for a late spring and early summer? But until we get to that point, thank you so much for sharing all of your thoughts before and after the race. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it.